Hello, this is an independent game designer. I have come to gloat at your lamentations over the death of your precious Gamist Saga edition. <laughs> oh yes, of course, I would never listen to the Order 66 podcast. I'm too busy polishing my monocle to listen to that plebeian drabble. Good day to you, sirs. <laughs> Execute order sixty six. This episode of the Order sixty six podcast brought to you. In part by our sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Buy.com. Well, Gamer Nation, welcome back to episode number 96 as we close in closer to that 100 episode mark. Of the Order 66 podcast, hello, my name is GM Dave, I will be your host this evening, and it will be a very odd show because, well, it's just me, actually. Chris is away on assignment, well, the assignment is actually making his wife happy in some foreign land like Costa Rica or something like that, can you believe that? It's unbelievable. Anyway, they're off having a good time. And I'm sure you guys heard he got stranded in the great blizzard of the southeast last week in Atlanta and had to drive home after being shut in by the snow. And then, of course, the week before that was Super Bowl. So rather than go a month without a show, I figured we'd put together a little show here, kind of a short show. And we have a few little tidbits to touch on, a couple of items in the gaming news section. And, of course, postcards from Commander Cody. But one thing that I wanted to cover is kind of a newbie GM 12-step program. And that's what we're going to do this afternoon, this evening, because I, among a lot of you guys probably, have never actually run a game in Saga. And so what do you have to do in order to prepare to run your first game? And what can you possibly you know, accomplish by that? So how does it help you as you get ready for your first game? So that's what we're looking for here this afternoon. And uh, yes, chat room, uh, hello to all of you. I, there's no way I can actually know. Ustream is malfunctioning something fierce for me. So there's no way I can tell how many people are actually in the chat room, nor can I see you, nor can I play video because Ustream is a dog. But at least you guys can hear me. And... That's all good. So the chat room's telling me there's 38 people in there, and that's great because we're an hour and a half or two hours ahead of normal schedule, and I didn't even say we were having a show. I just twi- I just sent out a tweet right now. So there you are, and we'll kick off the news. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions.
Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. So, here we go. If you guys have not had a chance to check out Radio Free Homeland, I know we have featured them, and we haven't gotten to all 19 shows that we have on the network, but I wanted to say that if RFH doesn't have it out, they will have it out very soon, that they, uh, I believe Tim came back yesterday from Seattle, in which he scored an interview in studio, so to speak, actually at Watsy, with Rodney Thompson, and they talked about Dark Sun, and you guys look forward to the next episode of Radio Free Homlet, and you should be very impressed with what comes out on that show. So we're, we're very excited that they're going to have a heck of a show, so you guys check it out and uh, see, what, see what's coming down the pike from Tim and the boys and girls at Radio Free Homlet. So I need your help, guys, and I'll tell you why. I'm getting ready for episode number 100, the 100th episode of the Order 66 podcast, we are looking for you guys to potentially help us out. Remember back in episode 50 when I did a, like a big montage? And it was about 10 minutes long and it had little bits. Little bits of, you know, funny stuff. When you string it together, it just makes it sound funny. If you guys have any of those little bits that you think are worthy of just being strung together, if you could... One, the best case scenario is pull them off, turn them into an MP3, and send them to me by email, gmdavidd20radio.com. That'd be great. Otherwise, if you would send us an email or put up a forum post or whatever and say, hey, episode number 59 at 12 minutes and 27 seconds. It's really funny when Chris says, you know, that TG farts in bed. I don't know. You know, whatever. And I'll go pick it up and make a montage out of it. And it would kind of be funny, you know. Brownie bake. You know you know how that goes. So uh, if you guys can do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, as I really don't, unfortunately, have the time to put together a montage because that took, I would say, well over 8 to 10 hours just to put together 10 minutes of audio because you got to go through all the podcasts. And anyway, I won't explain it to you. You guys know, especially you guys that do podcasts for the network, know exactly what we're talking about. So... Moving on, the conventions. ScorchCon 2010 is coming up in a couple of weeks, March 6th and 7th. Cyril will be there, and he'll be running some saga. If you guys had a chance to make it to Syndicon, I think Alpha Ant was over there and uh, dropped us a note that there were a couple of people that specifically said that they had heard it on our show and showed up to play, and that was really kind of a neat deal for him, and so we thank you. So ScorchCon. Minnesota State University in Moorhead, March 6th, 7th. You guys show up if you can, if you're around Minnesota, yeah. And if you if you are in Minnesota, you know, stop by and tell the United States curlers that they are just blowing ass. All right? You guys do that for me, and that's fine, because they, uh, they should be in the medal round, and they're not because they choke. Choke, choke, choke. <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth has got him, man. And they blow every single lead that they've had in the Olympics. Poor, poor curlers. Okay, ReaperCon 2010 here in Dallas. 
It's coming up May 20 to May 23 here in Denton, Texas. This is at the headquarters of Reaper Miniatures. And I had a heck of a time at this thing last year. I will unfortunately not be in attendance the whole time. Again, my daughter has a soccer tournament. Same deal as last year. As long as they keep it on this weekend, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it with soccer. But I can at least go you know, in between games and after games, and that's kind of what I did last time for a few hours here, a few hours there. So May 20 to 23, Denton, Texas, Reaper Miniatures. You guys can check it out at reapermini.com, R-E-A-P-E-R-M-I-N-I.com. Order 66 crew, of course, will be there. Chris is going to be running Saga. And I believe Cat might actually be running Saga there as well, but I'm not positive. Radio Free Homlet, of course, will be there. Tim was throwing down some major D&D action last time around. He was, man, he was holding court right there in the center where all the molds were. Dude, you should have seen it. The guy can tell stories when he's, when he's GMing. And he gets into it with a, you know, and we'll talk about how some of this can benefit you as you get to be a GM. So, you guys come on out, make plans to arrive at ReaperCon, get your game on, get your paint on, because you do. They give you free minis and they give you free paint, so you can like make your own minis, and it's really, really cool. So, you guys check it out, ReaperMini.com. And then, of course, the big daddy of them all, the Daytona 500 of the gaming world, Gen Con 2010, coming up August 5 through 8. That's August 5th through 8th in Indianapolis, Indiana. The badge and room registration, of course, is open. So go to GenCon.com. And while you're signing up, remember that there is the Gygax Memorial Auction this year. And you guys want to be a part of that, definitely, if you're headed over to GenCon. I do not not know if I will be in attendance at this point in time because all of a sudden I've had something come up for August if my, you know, it's my daughter's soccer again. Uh, her one of her things got moved around. If she should happen to make this regional Olympic development team, then we've got a conflict. But I, you know, I won't know that till April, so I'm holding off on the tickets. So we'll see. Darlington, <laughs> you got to have priorities, right? Got to have priorities. But yeah, there you go. So we have a contest going on. If you guys go out to the forums. And this is our current listener contest that's going uh, since episode, what, 92 or so. And this one is with the help of Chris West and mapsofmastery.com. You guys head over to mapsofmastery.com and see the Swamp Cave map because that is very important to this contest. Uh, The Swamp Cave and the back of that map, which is the Desert Sanctum, you guys build an encounter around that map. Standard Party 5, any level. Best encounter will win a prize. In fact, we've got three prizes to dole out. We've got the big map itself. We've got a signed, uh, signed copy of a Millennium Falcon map that um, Chris has generously provided us. And then I've got some, uh, I've got some tiles and, and map tiles and such that that is another prize. And so we've got three prizes to give out. And we can't wait to see all the entries that are coming in. So you guys head over to the forum, d20radio.com slash forum. Find out exactly the contest details and submission guidelines. And you build your encounter, and it will be judged by myself, Jim Chris, oh, maybe a couple of others like, say, Chris West himself, maybe Sam Witwer, and the famous Chuck Hurstis, of course, the man... The legend, the legend of Chuck. And with that, 
this is a Holonet News Update. I'm Luke Lowbrow. Last night, the Galactic Olympic Games opening ceremonies were held on Dantooine. Highlights from the opening ceremonies include Slice Noodles singing a rousing rendition of Taylor Swift's hit, 15, and a Gamorrean juggling team who broke the galactic record for live Jawa juggling during the show. In related news, the Anti-Gungan Defamation League has filed a lawsuit against the Galactic Olympic Committee for purposely misleading the Gungan Olympic team from Naboo that the location for the games would be held on Dathomir rather than Dantooine. As a result of the mix-up, the entire Gungan Olympic team was eaten alive by a pack of wild rancors when they were wandering helplessly in a forest looking for an Olympic arena and, therefore, are disqualified from competing because they are dead. In other news, the heavy blizzard conditions on Coruscant have forced the Imperial government to close for over a week. The snow has paralyzed the city planet so bad that even the dark side of the forest has not been into work since the storm commenced. Repeated attempts to contact the dark side of the force have all failed. His voicemail box has been full for days. Emails to the dark side of the force have been responded to by an automatic out-of-office reply. Shecky Greenblum, the dark side's former roommate's fifth cousin, said the dark side owns at least 666 low-income apartment buildings on Coruscant, and he's been shoveling snow for his tenants by hand because he's too cheap to hire low-paid Jawa day laborers from Tatooine. The inability of the dark side to report for work has placed many Imperial officials in an awkward position. High Inquisitor Antinus Tremaine, who uses the dark side to extract information from rebel terrorists, has said, quote, I can't tell you how bad this sucks, man. Now that I can't get my dark side mojo going, I know some band of wannabe Jedis are going to try to take me out because I can't use my force powers and they're too wussy to go after Darth Vader. I think I'll just stay home until this blizzard blows over. I've, I've got to catch up on a few seasons of Lost, and then there's that new Mass Effect 2 game that came out. So I guess I got plenty to do when I'm not shoveling, unquote. Tonight's update has been brought to you by the Holomark Greeting Card Company. As the galaxy becomes more complicated, so too do our relationships. The Holomark Company has Valentine greeting cards for every possible relationship complication. Here are a few examples. Dear Valentine, you are the epitome of my self-destructive tendencies. Deep down, I know you're going to try to choke me to death someday, even if I'm pregnant with your unborn child. That's why, in classic passive-aggressive fashion, I waited to tell you that I love you moments before we were thrown into a gladiatory arena to meet our impending doom. Every moment after we luckily escaped with our lives, I've had lingering doubts about our relationship. But then again, a girl has got to love her bad boy. And then there's this card. Sometimes when I'm lying in my lonely bed night after night, I think of the last time I kissed a beautiful woman. I see your face. I feel the lucky kiss you gave me moments before we jumped across that chasm. And then there was that time we made out in front of my best friend just so you could make him jealous. And then there was that one strange time you kissed me for no reason at all right after my dad chopped my hand off. And then I think about how you are my sister. And how I always knew you were my sister and I let you kiss me anyway. And then with that thought I feel dirty and I'm consumed with guilt and shame. And I want to slip my one good wrist with my lightsaber. But that won't work because a lightsaber would only cauterize the wound. Thanks for ruining my life. Happy Valentine's Day. This has been your Holonet News Update. Good night and good lovin'. <laughs> Obviously, uh, we're a week late with the show, but... Thank you very much, Luke Lowbrow, Jim Dan. You're the man. It's awesome. So that said, we will jump right into 
what I received in the mailbox this week. And this is one of those deals where uh, Cody, our secret correspondent, has, in my opinion, been putting out just a little bit too much information. And I, I, I fear for the guy. But, uh, you know, this, this particular postcard has a, a picture of a, of a really beautiful world, uh, grass, mountains, and uh, it's, it's covered with, uh, with really large honeycombed uh, cities. And the wording on the card on uh, this one reads, Welcome to the planet Amwat, strange alien. We're surprised From to meet you. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. TGM Dave and TG. Well, I've been reassigned to a new unit, and my men and I have left the planet Triffis behind in preparation for our mission. But things didn't exactly go to plan. We travelled to the planet Omwat, an unknown world in the Garrus sector of the Outer Rim. We were briefed extensively. The native Omwati are a faintly avian near-human race with light blue skin and feathery threads in place of hair. A lithe and delicate people. I've encountered other Omwati in the past, but those had no knowledge of their homeworld. At some point in history, the Republic lost any and all connection to or knowledge of this world, though the Omwati elsewhere in the galaxy would seem to indicate this wasn't always the case. But about 25 years ago, from what our intelligence officers can surmise, Grand Morph Wilhelm Tarkin, that imperial despot, rediscovered this world. Though Omwat itself is unremarkable, beautiful, but not rich in any astounding resources, the native Omwati are known for abnormally creative and hyper-intelligent minds, if this is cultivated early in a child. At some point, Tarkin returned to Omwat and infested its honeycomb cities with his lies. We're not sure how but he managed to convince the local population to relinquish hundreds of their brightest and best children to him. Some kind of training. The nearest we could tell, these children were moved off-world to an orbital station, built to train them into some kind of experimental super-genius tacticians. The horror stories we'd heard. How Tarkin's training was so intense that all but a handful of the children were killed. And to make matters worse, we'd receive word that this same station is being used to develop some kind of super-weapon so dangerous threatens the lives of all sentients in the galaxy. Our mission? Take the station out. Liberate the oppressed Umwati populace, and destroy whatever research is going on there. Over 30 rebel cells have mobilized for this effort, and for our part, we attempted a covert landing planet side only last night. Unfortunately, as I said, things did not go to plan. Someone leaked. Or someone set us up. I'm not sure which, not yet. I felt a strange feeling as we came out of light speed, tingling on the back of my neck. I felt it before. Feeling like I'm being watched. Soldier's intuition, you could call it. I thought about scrapping the mission, but you don't call off a small fleet based on a hunch. Shows what I know. I should listen to my gut more often. A battalion of Imperial soldiers awaited us on Omwati, and I later learned that most of the orbital ships were destroyed. They captured the rest of us, and when they learned who I was, I got quite the working over. Still can't open my right eye. But one of the guards, a fellow clone, watching my cell, promised to get this postcard out to you. I had to tell someone, let them know where we were, that there's a traitor in the Rebel Alliance. 
someone who Oh, that does not sound very good at all. I fear for Commander Cody. He's been captured. Film at 11. Hmm. Where do we go from here? Well, uh, that's a real good question because uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to do uh, our listener bits and postcards and, you know, all that good stuff. So what we'll do at this point is, um, well, we're just going to jump right into what I would call the meat. Yes, indeed. That means that there's only one thing that could possibly happen right now, and that is the meat of the show. So, after getting some input from Kat and Brev, both of them, if, if you have listened to the show for quite a while, we've had Kat and we've had Brev on, and they are both first-time GMs. They were able to put aside any particular feelings that they had of dread, and were more than willing to jump in and take the reins on their own campaign. And I, for one, think it's great that uh, they were able to get in, and uh, from what I've heard, their campaigns have been fantastic. Now, uh, Kat's, of course, watching the Olympics right now, and Brev is uh, on his way to a giant uh, conference with uh, with work, and so he's not available to come on either. So, what I did is I got some notes from them, and uh, I want to go through the notes of that they have as far as what they've done to start a campaign and run the sessions as they've embarked on their first the roles as a GM uh, in Star Wars Saga Edition. Now, obviously, this can be. You can you can extrapolate this to any game system that you want. You know we're gonna I'll try and speak in generalities and and so bottom line is think of it from from Cat and, and Brev's perspective that they had really a couple of things to share around starting a campaign and running a session. So before we get started, I want to set kind of level set. Let's say that you have not listened to this show stop right now stop your mp3 player and go download and listen to episode number 37 which is the list this one gives you a basic encounter design and so we're going to assume that you have a basis in how to design encounters and how to design and begin to um, fabricate your your campaigns and maps and all that good stuff. So if you guys go through and find the list and uh, find encounter design and find some campaign design, we have a few episodes that are out there already for that. So that's kind of a basis for what we've you know what I've kind of put together for tonight. So 
That being said, we're let's spend about 10 or 15 minutes talking about campaigns and running a session, and then we'll get into the uh, 12 steps of being a GM. Now, when you start a campaign, let's think about a couple of things. What kind of campaign do you want to run? That's the very first thing. What kind of campaign do you want to run? Are you running, you know, what, what era are you going to run in? Are you running a, an overarching plot? Or are you running a campaign that is very episodic? And so they may fit together in the long haul. Then again, they may not. You know, you know the Star Wars era. Shut up, chat room. <laughs> you mean, you mean uh, if you're talking like uh, like Episode Four, like uh, like particularly the, the the dark times. Yeah, that's what we're kind of talking about. But you know, that gets into you know what era are you playing in? So you know, Kotor. I like. I personally like Kotor. Nice, the old republic. Um, I like. I actually, I like quite a bit. Is the Clone Wars campaign, and then this is this is where when I started, when I started uh, building out my first campaign that I was going to run, which I still will, by the way. It's going to be in the Clone Wars, and uh, we'll decide, of course, we know what books you're going to do, what kind of characters, and all that good stuff. Now, as you go forward and start to plan out your your campaign and your plot and your episodes. And, you know, you, you start thinking about how you're going to tell a story. And you need to be a good tor- storyteller as a GM. And that's, I think, where Brev shines from what everything that I've been told is that he tells an amazing story. Not to take anything away from Kat or Chris or anyone else, because everyone that I've ever gamed with tells tells great stories, but Brev really brings you into that to that story. So make sure you have a good story to tell in addition to the game itself. Then you need to figure out who are you going to play with. This actually is like step one or two in my 12-step program. The number of players, of course, very important. The group dynamic, you know, if you've got players that have certain play styles that you know about, especially if you've been gaming with a certain group for a while, and you're going to know if they're going to work together very well or if you if you don't have a feeling and if you want to just kind of curb what types of characters they want to play, that sort of thing. This will really give you a good idea of the type of campaign that you should run based on their dynamic. And that will give you a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a background in which to to start your story and then your campaign. So let's think about your GM style. You know, what kind of a GM are you going to be? Are you going to be, you know, Mr. Rules Lawyer? Are you going to have any any house rules that you're going to use at your table? Are you going to be that killer? Are you going to be the guy who's kind of adversarial? Are you going to be, you know, very, very much... Here's your plan, you're sticking to it, and if they if they go off mission or off you know off the campaign, you know, what are you gonna do with that? You gotta you gotta plan for it. Are you gonna go ahead and kill your characters or are you kinda kinda fudge your dice rolls? You know, that whole rule zero thing. You know, what what is it that you're going to do, you know, as you get into the campaign? What's your story? Um, again, make sure what source books are going to be used. Is it, is it just, you know, are you going to throw out Jedi Academy? You don't want any Jedi. You know, Dark Times, there's no Jedi. 
you know, no Jedi characters. The whole Jedi Academy training you know, is, is, is out the door. You know, maybe it's just the maybe it's just the core rule book and Starships of the Galaxy and uh, the droids. Maybe that's it. Maybe that those are your three books and that's and that's all you can use. You know, or throw in some threats from from threats of the galaxy. You know, open it up for scum and villainy. Who knows? That's the best thing is you're the GM. You get to decide, right? So there you are. Decide if you want a backstory from your players. Is that going to make things more fun for them? Of course it will. Is that going to make things easier for you as a GM? Yes, it will. How? Well, this is where you get to tell the stories of all your characters, and you get a good idea of, even though they haven't sent you their play, their builds or anything uh, of their characters, it is one of those things where you can start to get an idea of what one player is going to do versus another and the strengths and weaknesses that you can play to while you're designing your campaign and designing your encounters. Because if you have a skill check that you've worked all, you know, a skill challenge, you've worked all this time on skill challenges and it requires that two or three of them are pilots and then none of them, none of them are going to fly anything, well, what have you done? You've just put them in a position to fail and that's, you know, that's no good. No good at all. And all this going back to, you know, the feel of your game. Is it going to be a is it going to be a real serious type of game? Is it going to be laid back, more fun? You know, not necessarily by the book. You know, is it going to be absolute canon? Is it going to be alternate universe? I love the alternate universe idea. Don't get me wrong; it's great. It's a little overdone sometimes, but it's still great. So, you know, how are you going to do that? Now, as you get into running your sessions, you know, how much time do you have realistically? Brett brought this up. You know, let's say you have, or you're trying to build out three combat encounters and a skill challenge. All right? And then various social encounters along the way where you're gathering information or whatnot. All right? Three encounters plus a skill challenge, five hours. It's a pretty good, you know, pretty good rule of thumb there. So it's a pretty long session. That is one session right there. So are you, again, one session... You're just going to try a one-shot and then go and see, you know, just kind of get your feet wet in the GM world, or are you going to actually try and plan a campaign? So this is where you're talking about planning those episodes or as, of, as they work out into an, uh, an overall theme of what's going to happen. So another thing, as a GM, don't be afraid to think outside the box and try new things. You know, you can split the PCs up. You know, don't don't be afraid to do that. That's I I find myself wishing that that would happen in the alternate universe game that Chris is running right now. That would be kind of cool to split up, and we have a little bit, but not really, to where we've got two encounters going at the same time. You know, we could potentially have one on space, one in space, one on land, and that would be awesome, It'd be greatness. But we haven't done that yet. So, now let me tell you something else. If your players do something stupid, do not be afraid to kill them. All right, let me say that again. Don't be afraid to kill them if they do something stupid. Because there is one, and I forget where this is, in, um, oh gosh, maybe it's Betrayal of Darth Revan. Anyway, you talk to a hut 
who's obviously way above your level. You're like level three. And Chris was uh, GMing at a convention. And the players, group of five players, low level, decide they're going to attack the hut. All right, well, great. Good for you. CL 10. Right. With all his guards and his henchmen. So, and this is great. I mean, it's great. They, they pay this money. They go to a convention. They want to play. They decide to attack the hut. What happens? They all die. Before it even gets started, they're dead. You know? That's just what, I mean, it's just what happens. So, I mean, don't kill everybody all the time, you know, but do not be afraid of the epic fail at the same time. You know, they are heroic characters. They grow and they're challenged. So, this cat tells us that if, that she finds that players like to be pushed beyond what they can do. And that, that's something that I've learned, you know, even in the business world, and, and my mother is a teacher, say, you know, people will rise to the level of expectations. And that's true. So if you make them try harder, and you make them, in some cases, spend force points or destiny points, and they use everything to survive, that's really part of being what a hero is. If you're a true hero, you're going to do anything that you can to survive. And so that builds in all these extra things that you could push your players to do in a role-playing session. So let's talk about plot during a session. So you get to obviously weave in the PC's backstories. You get to uh, talk about some differences in, in, in how you're going to do that if you're running an episodic versus a plot-based campaign. And, and, uh, and then when you, when you weave in these backstories and, and do a good job of weaving in the backstories and try to build in the character's uh, history into your social encounters and your dialogue when you're, when you're talking with NPCs and, and you know, the, the proverbial meeting in a cantina to gather information. Well, you know, everybody's got a role there, right? So, you know, just just use your character's backstories and 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 set up those um set up those those dialogues in in such a in such a way that that your characters can do what they do best. And as a GM and this is another one too that is going to come in later in the 12 steps. Use some different voices if you can. Be cinematic about your GM storytelling. So if you have a character that speaks in very weird ways and has an accent, perhaps, and is just a little bit shrill, and you don't quite trust him, well, you know, that's fine. You know, use a voice, use an accent, whatever. You know, I mean, I come across rather drab sometimes, and, you know, I'm not a very funny guy, but I play one on TV, you know, and I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And all villains do not have accents, Revan 2, from the chat room. Most of them do have accents, though, and that's weird, you know. Hans Gruber tried to hide his accent, but he had one. I mean, name me a really, really good villain that doesn't have an accent. Vader, 
but the helmet kind of counts as an accent to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, all right, chat room. What are we going to do with campaign uh, or combat encounter design? Well, we've got a couple of things that are out there that you, well, actually one large thing that you can use on our website is Donovan's big book of NPCs. Of course, you can go pick up Threats of the Galaxies, but our our friend, our friend Donovan Morningfire, our own friend, D20's, D20 Radio's own Donovan Morningfire, renowned publisher and author now, game designer. Yep, John Stevens uh, brings this to you. And then, of course, you know, oh, I just said Threats of the Galaxy you can pick up. And also, make sure and have, if you can, minis for the NPCs. You know, you have no idea how awesome this is to roll out a map or draw out a map, whatever you, you know, you get your gaming paper, you know, draw out your map, and then you've got minis to represent everything, little crates, you know, whatever, whatever, you, whatever. And it, it makes for a more immersive environment, obviously. And, and um, you know, your, your maps, you're going to have style about your maps. And so part of the part of the whole thing about about your maps is that you need to get your players used to uh, you know how you build your you know how you build your your maps and 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 how how you're going to run your encounters and part of the part of getting over the hump as a first time GM is uh, your map creation and and getting your uh, players accustomed to that and so then we go back to the list you know your encounter design so. You know, higher, obviously, higher level PCs need higher level, uh, higher challenge levels. You know, longer encounters. You might have, you know, some minions out there. And, and this, you know, you can have lots of, you know, you can have lots of bad guys out there that fall pretty quickly. You know, if you've got one higher level uh, PC, um, I'm sorry, one higher level uh, big bad evil guy with a bunch of minions that are, you know, just. High, they may be high challenge level, but you know they've only got a couple of hit points. They can, you know, they can still hit pretty hard, but they fall real quick. So you've got lots of things, and then you shoot them once, and they go down, and it's very cinematic that way. Don't forget about your skillful characters. Not everyone is combat intensive, so they need something to do as well. So even in combat and combat heavy encounters. They need something to do, and so this is your classic deal. There is your noble. You know they need to be able to inspire confidence. They need to be able to do, and uh, you know, potentially talk down a, a bad guy, or, or even make him switch sides as as uh, as you get higher up in your in your noble skills and 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 whatnot. So here's here's one thing that as a player it, it bothers me when I am taking skills from the very first level of the game even and i never get a chance to use them so what about like stealth for example i know i can't use it every single session but if i've gone two three four sessions my character has stealth and i've never had a chance to use it you know is that my fault or is that poor gming in my in my opinion I believe that's a poor GM call because you need to be able to play to all your character skills, and that's why you need to have a character sheet for every single one of your, uh, all your PCs, to be able to make sure that they are using the skills in which they have trained and invested 
their time and their skills. You know, uh, otherwise they could have taken something else, and they've wasted in their mind. They've absolutely wasted a good skill, and they could have gone with something else. So, yeah, there you are. Skill challenges. Make them fun, but give them a purpose. Something has to come out of a skill challenge. Don't just put them in there for no apparent reason. You know, you're on the way to the ship. Well, you know, your skill challenge is that you have to navigate a waterway on, I don't know what, you know, who knows? And they're bad guys that you have to fight while you're piloting, and I don't know. Who knows? That That's more of a combat encounter, but, you know, we, we keep going back to, to Brev's dance, dance campaign. Well, what was the end result of that? You had to, you had to, the group had to pass through this dance-off skill challenge in order to then meet with the guy that they were going to obtain this information and take the next step of their campaign. Had they failed the skill challenge? Well, they would have had to go, go about it a different way. That's fine. But this gave them a direct path to have a meeting with the dude. And that's fine. That's great. So, that being said, let's talk about the 12 steps now, you know, or, you know, well, actually, you know what, we've got a couple of miscellaneous things that uh, the Brevin cat told me to talk about. And I, I alluded to this earlier, is that how, how as a GM are you going to handle a curveball? So, like I said before, if somebody makes an, an absolutely shockingly inane decision, how are you going to treat that? Do they deserve to die? Or do you need to adjust accordingly? I'm a big fan of adjusting. You know, you have a couple of things in your pocket, you have a couple of encounters in your pocket, and you take them down a different path to wind up in the same general area. And that's fine. You can do that. Curveballs sometimes are, are really good, you know? Um, you know, this back in, in, our, in our campaign, this was one of those where the... If you remember, in fact, in Brev's signature, there's a, how hard, it, it, Chris will say, it's a really hard shot. And our, and our PC, in this case, it was a booter. He was like, is it destiny point hard? And this was one of those deals where the big bad evil guy was running away with a little bag that had what we needed in it. And so his character, Oren, shot the bag. Okay. There's a couple other there's a couple other campaigns that Brev's running that um, uh, Chris was uh, Chris played a a little uh, Tebow the little Ewok apparently did the same basic thing Destiny pointing a particular book that he was going after and um, you know all kinds of all kinds of things that are unplanned uh, a, a character running back into a building that was about to collapse. To save another character. That's how that character actually. The, this is from what I understand. This is how that last session ended with Brev. Is that the building collapsed on Cat's character after she went in for the other. So, you know, and this was an NPC that she was going in after her brother, right? So there was there was no way you're going to expect that your 
PC was going to do that. But, you know, Rev collapsed the building and then ended the session. So he's got plenty of time to think about what he's going to do, and that's great. So he's got plenty of time to plan that out now. So what are your favorite aspects of playing? As a player, before you, before you take the GM chair, what are your favorite aspects of playing? All right? Take those and give them to your players. See? See how easy that is? I have the most fun doing X, and so I am going to allow X to happen with my players. Now, just because I drive enjoyment out of a certain thing doesn't mean that they will, but it gives you a greater opportunity to, to make that happen, right? Opportunity to make that happen, as I enunciate clearly. So what happens if a player leaves? Hmm. You have to ask yourself, why did they leave? With personality conflict? Or was it just poor GMing? Was it the guy was a douche? You know, any number of things. But if a player does leave, figure out why they left. You know, it might adjust your GM style a little bit. And then figure out, okay, does the PC actually have to leave the game? Or can you weave that into NPCing that character for the rest of the, for the, rest of the campaign? If it's just a one-shot or two-shot, you know, who cares? Just NPC it. But if it's a long-writing campaign decision, then maybe, you know, you find a replacement, you find somebody else to sit at the table, and you gradually, you know, you take that one out, you put another one in, he gets shot, he gets killed, he falls off Cloud City and dies. I don't know. Think of something better than that. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be good. However you come up with it, I trust that'll be good. What if a player can't make a session? It doesn't leave, but can't make a session. Do you NPC him, or do they fall behind the group? Do you let them level up with their group, or not? I'm one of those that, if it if it's a one-time deal, I'll NPC, I, I would NPC the character for the guy, or the girl that's going to miss the session, and to, to keep them up with the group. If it's happened a couple of times, then they'll just fall behind in their level up. Okay. Do you give them side missions on what to do, you know, and role play that out one-on-one? -on -one? I've seen that done before. That's fine, too. If, 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 they're, if they're genuine about doing that and they really want to go hardcore like that to make it up, do it. Heck, have fun with it. It's awesome. So, all right, so let's get to the 12 steps. As I've, I've been a little bit longer-winded than I, than I want it to be, but heck, we've gone, uh, this is pretty good little stuff. I've got curling to do, by the way. That's why we're that's why we're here early because uh, I'm headed to uh, I'm heading to curling this this evening, and it's going to be fun. Throw those rocks around, hurling the granite. All right, so twelve steps. One, choose your players carefully. Keep the group small. Okay, so I that's what I plan on doing for my first campaign. I'm going to keep people that I trust in the game, and people that I know are not going to just be buttholes at the table you know I, I just you know that's it I mean I'm going to choose a couple of regulars probably and uh, and just you know, keep the group at like four and keep it small just so that I know who I'm dealing with the first time and I get my feet wet with company in which I, I don't feel threatened and you know that's that's one of those things so two choose your game carefully okay now, this is not just Saga. This can go beyond Saga, okay? 
Star Wars Saga Edition? Yes. What if you don't want to do Saga? What if you want to do D&D? 4E? 3-5? Advanced? What if you want to do that? Great. Just choose your game that you feel comfortable with and that you know you can do a good job with. And don't go, you know, I don't like playing D&D. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to go GM a, a third edition D&D campaign? Hell no! There's no way. So anyway, yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars. Always Star Wars. So, three, learn the basics. All right? So we're talking about theatrics. We're talking about basic, you know, learn your rules and set the stage. Use mood music. Use candles, scents, whatever. And then gets back to this whole voice deal. You know, use some accents. Use some different voices if you can. You know, be, have your players be able to be more immersed in their environment, and they will have a better time. You know, your PCs are, are paper. You know, they're just on paper. Give one an accent. Have one always say, like, yeah. You know, just like that. Like, yeah. And give one a stutter. How about that? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Just little, little nuances like that. All of a sudden, you remember those NPCs now, don't you? Big or small NPCs. They're, me they're all memorable. So, All right, step four. Remember your role-playing plot lines. Plot, scheme, plan. All right? For your plot, here's one thing I need to say. Do not be afraid to liberate plot lines from anywhere else. Luke Lobrow. You guys love Luke Lobrow, okay? What did he do in his segment today? All right? The snowstorm shutting down Washington, D.C. and the Olympics. And he applied those to Star Wars. And you guys thought it was hilarious. I saw y'all going by in the chat room. See? That's how easy it is. All right? You remember another game a GM ran? Use it. You know, you like the quest out of Lord of the Rings? Apply that. I mean, it's great. You know, so you, you start the game off, and, and, and as it begins, you're, you're telling one guy that, that his uncle's leaving, and, and, he's, uh, and he's leaving him this, this lightsaber, right? And, but, but this lightsaber, when you use it, the dark side can see you or whatever. I, I know that's a terrible adaptation of the ring, of the Lord of the Rings, but, you know, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> whatever you want to do with it do with it but that's the one thing is start your role playing and your plot lines and that is important plot scheme plan alright number five pick a friendly setting alright I know a lot I'm very comfortable in the Clone Wars that's where I'm going to put my that's, that's my setting that's where I'm going to put my first campaign because that's where I'm comfortable alright I choose it because I've, I've played the games, I've read the books, I don't have to worry about creating a world, and I can just concentrate more on the story that the PCs are going to be a part of. So, you know, that's it. Boom. There's even, you know, you've got canon there to tell you what you can and can't do, and you can even mirror that canon to make your campaign. Next, number six. Do your research, all right? So you need to learn. I, I talked about the rules and all that, but you need to know 
basic locations, maps, the era in which you're playing. You know, if, if, if you say we're going to play in the dark times and you roll out and you allow a, char- a, a party full of Jedi, well, you deserve what you're going to get. So do your research. Number seven, do not bring too much to the table. What I mean by that is do not over plan. All right. Over planning, in my opinion, for a new GM leads to one thing and one thing only railroading okay there just happens to be a lot of uh, wondered why that would happen yeah okay so no when you've planned so much then you are focused on your objective and your players will have to meet that objective right whether you do it from a conscious standpoint or from a subconscious standpoint you're still probably re railroading your players and over planning will just make that happen it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecy right so you know there's a difference between planning and over planning you know if you need to have backup little uh, little uh, offshoots to a campaign or an encounter that you need to plug in here because they blew up you know they 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 bypassed an encounter that led to another encounter, so you need to put a, you need to have a backup encounter in there. Fine, that's great. That is perfect planning. So, make them do a little bit of work, and you do the rest. And number eight, know when to go with the flow. So, if they get off on a tangent, okay, and they start talking amongst themselves, and you just and you just say, "So, in come the bad guys." Well, okay, you're you you may have just blown up what was a really nice little interaction between your PCs. Maybe they're just that way. They're getting into character. They're 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 finding their they're finding their leg their sea legs, so to speak, in terms of role playing and how the the group dynamics are going to go. And if you're trying to constantly jam them into the next part, into the next part, into the next part, this this kind of falls in with number seven, which is railroading your players. If you don't let them go off on their tangents every once in a while, then they're not going to have that much of, uh, of a great time. You know, so but I, bottom line, I guess, you know, keep a casual eye on your players, take the hints, you know, and, and, and uh, from them and allow them to kind of take it and meander it where they want to go, or at least give them the perception of the fact that they're going where they want to go. All right, nine. Know when to end. Number nine is know when to stop. So sometimes you'll you'll plan out an adventure. We were talking about before that five hours, you know, three encounters and a skill challenge. You'll go plan out an adventure, right? And and you'll think this should take five hours. Well, it doesn't, and it winds up going six, seven, eight. And it starts to get dull. Build in a point here and there that you can call an audible. Throw in an ending encounter that stops that particular adventure. Just one chapter in a book. And you stopped. It's a good stop. It's a natural stopping point. You throw that into your campaign, into into your encounters, your campaign. And you have the ability to stop when things start to get a little bit dull or if things are going longer than anticipated. So, you know, sometimes the group's just not into it. 
you know? Yeah, Dono, exactly. Long sessions lead to a wife aggro. See, that goes something else, too. This isn't just role-playing. This is not just role-playing. This gets into real life, too. If, if, if you're talking about, yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw GM Brev under the bus. But, you know, our... Our campaign, a couple uh, our, I'm sorry, our, our last session, a couple, uh, couple of sessions ago, went a couple of hours too long. And, um, and poor Brev's wife called our GM and was like, hey, you want to send my husband home? This is not what you want to happen as a player or as a GM is to draw enough wife aggro to where the wife actually calls you as a GM and says, hey, um, you know, you've gone four hours over. Maybe you need to think about ending it. So, you know, that's one of those, that's just one of those deals where, you know, they're having a hard time gathering the information that they need. And so they're not going to the right place or they're simply taking too long in an encounter. You're, they're supposed to fight three guys and move on to the next room or, but instead they don't. And they walk somewhere else. They go somewhere else. They get into another encounter. They start a bar fight that they shouldn't, you know, while they're trying to gather information. It, it causes an extra encounter to occur simultaneously, you know, spontaneously, which you should be prepared for. So, you know, sometimes you just need to cut it off. And so do that. And that kind of parlays into my next point, number 10, just to be organized. So if they kick off an encounter that you didn't mean to happen, if they start a bar fight, if they attack a group of stormtroopers that they happen to see, which they had, you know, you build, you build an encounter around what they're supposed to do, right? So you're supposed to get to the ship. You get to the ship by, you know, you give them the opportunity. Uh, as you're going to the ship, you see this, you see this a group of stormtroopers. And the way for you, in your mind, as you've planned this out, is they're supposed to stealth by the stormtroopers. They're not supposed to be seen by those stormtroopers. They're not supposed to get into a fight. But, of course, Han Solo has to go step on the twig. Or your idiot PC has to take a shot at one of them. And all of a sudden, boom, you've got an encounter that you didn't plan for. You've got time going by. But In other words, you've got to be organized in order for that to happen. So you've got to know your books. You've got to know your You've got to know your rules. You've got to have, in, in, in my particular instance, I, I love to have the, the, the character sheets for all the NPCs that I'm running and um, you know all the PCs and all that good stuff as well. So you know what you're working with as you're, as you're going forward. And then afterwards, learn from your mistakes. So your first encounter that you run is going to be the worst encounter that you've ever run. It's an old saying like from referee school. The first refer the first game I ever centered refereed was the worst game I ever refereed. But you get better. So that's your key is you find your weaknesses, you find where things went badly or didn't go as according to Hoyle. And you you get better. You know, you think you think I'm I'm really bad at at coming up with with names. So get some names beforehand, and you know, put that in your GM, you know, your book, and that way you've got some names if if they run into um, and, and get into an encounter of of some sort with with someone that you didn't think of in the bar. So you've got some names, you know, 
occupations. What do they do? So anyway. And then be able to, the last step, be able to talk to your players about what happened. Write everything down in a notebook. Catalog what has happened. And that way you can tell the PCs what they've done, what they've accomplished, and be able to parlay that into your next session, which is the second worst that you've ever run. <laughs> but either way, it, it just it, it boils down to being organized, being prepared, and running a good campaign for your first time out. And that's really about it, you know? What else are you going to do? You're going to go out there and you're going to give it your best shot. And you're going to be a first-time GM. Rock falls, everyone dies. I hate to end the show. I hate to end the show after only an hour, but it's 8 o'clock and I've got curling to do. After all, games do take priority over the show, right? Anyway, thank you all for bearing with me on this uh, solo episode of this uh, Order 66 podcast. Probably the worst one ever. 60, uh, 69 of you actually managed to work through it. Thanks to GM Brev and Kat for giving me some talking points on their first efforts as GMs. And um, I, uh, the 12 steps I came up with from a variety of sources. But... You know, follow that along with the list. And I think you'll go pretty far because this is a lot of the stuff that we've talked about from one episode to another, you know, over the last 95 episodes. And here it is, 96. So, 96 down. Three more to go. And then we'll hit 100. You guys, check in with anything you want to hear on the 100th episode. That'd be great. And... We will look forward to seeing you guys next week for another uh, edition, episode, if you will, of the Order 66 podcast. And so I'll say peace, love, good gaming, keep those dice rolling, and hopefully they'll be full of the force. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.